0: hey everyone what's up welcome in to another episode of real sports talk by Naraj. as always you can check me out on apple spotify radio public overcast and as well as audio audio.io uh to listen to some of the best segments of my podcast um you know from past Episodes to the latest content uh, Definitely share and check it out uh, We definitely appreciate it So in today's episode I want to get into a couple of things I want to talk some NFL Also then transition talking about um, Some incredible stories um, Around the world of sports And then cap it off with some NBA talk as well So kick things off uh, I want to talk about the NFL and uh, especially and focusing in on second-year uh, players in the NFL as we know every year to year draft classes, uh, you know, have all this rookie talent uh, gets evaluated and then it's all about can they keep on uh, doing well from year to year um, so there's a lot of you know promising uh, second-year players in the NFL um, that are looking to make a you know, difference and I kind of talked about the quarterbacks in the beginning, way back when the summer started. You know, talked about the wide receivers. So now I want to talk about the running backs. Yes, running backs. Running backs, obviously, have been viewed, um, you know, obviously, uh, really, it's, it's really been uh, a change in how running backs are viewed. You know, it used to be all about kind of getting that lethal running back and being able to, You know center your offense around a strong running game and you know being able to kind of draft and do that and we've just kind of seen that running backs in the nfl uh they show dominance for six seven eight nine years and then it's pretty much after the age of 30 teams start looking for another running back having said that there are some cases of running backs who have kind of you know stood the test of time uh like frank Gore, you know for one adrian peterson you know, Emmett Smith. You know, Jim Brown. There's a lot of greats that have been able to kind of defy time and age and really put up great numbers, regardless of their age. And so, look at the running backs heading into year two of the NFL. Um, there's obviously a lot of promising talent, and I just want to rank like my top five running backs um, that are poised to have a big. 2021 nfl season i'm going to rank them for, you know in my top five i think all of these running backs have a fairly good shot um of having a big year now some may um you know go through certain situations where they may miss some games or they may not get a whole lot of touches but i do see um a lot of these running backs making an impact I'm gonna kind of rank it based on that which running back will have the most impact and which one may not have that big of an impact could still be productive. So to start off at number five I have Antonio Gibson, the Washington football team. Antonio Gibson, um, decent back, he put up some really good numbers last season, 11 touchdowns, almost 800 yards rushing. He will have to compete with obviously Peyton Barber and JD McKissick there and Lamar Miller um, but Gibson showed some promise last year for the Washington football team. Um, Their running game wasn't the best, but it was good enough to at least show up in some of the games that that mattered um, that they, they won last year. Um, if he gets more touches his way, he's a player that will be able to contribute. I have a number five because I think that Washington, with the offense that they have had, they've you know added with Fitzpatrick and with McLaurin. Um, you know adding Curtis I think adding Samuel to the mix Washington may throw the football a lot more this season you know Ryan Fitzpatrick obviously will be be trying to fling it and running backs in this system are going to be able to get a lot of touches no doubt but more importantly out the backfield and I think that Antonio Gibson has a chance where he could really be you know have have even a bigger year than he had last year you know, it just comes down to, you know, whether or not he'll be able to kind of, while looking to see for Antonio Gibson, it's just more to see if he can continue to have this kind of greatness that he had last season, in which he put up good numbers. You know, can he be that lead running back for the Washington football team? Um, I think he'll have a huge season. Um, and more importantly, for other than looking at the stats and all that, I mean, I really want to see if he's going to be able to be that lead running back for the Washington Football Team this year. And I think that's why he'll have a big. 20, I think he has a chance to have a big 2021 20, NFL season if he can obviously start to, you know, hit those touchdowns early on, um, be able to maybe be good in the pass protection game. Those are the areas that I think Tony Gibson can improve in and can make a difference. At number four, I have DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions. The Lions have obviously done a decent job of addressing their offensive line. You know, drafting Penaie Su'a from Oregon. You know, they have Jared Goff at quarterback. Um, if DeAndre Swift can stay healthy, um, he's going to get a lot of touches in this running game, and he can be that lead running back, even the addition of jamal williams there i think what we saw from deandre swift last year was pretty decent uh you know he had eight touchdowns last season about eight touchdowns last season i want to see if he can be more of a better uh back on third down you know and obviously being able to obviously have more rushing yards in the key situations. but you want to see if he kind of can break those big runs and sustain those runs especially on the game on the road that's the thing for the for DeAndre Swift and the Detroit Lions, seeing that running game be good on the road, and I think that he has a chance to do that um, because because you know they won't obviously put it all on Jared Goff. I mean, Jared Goff will be able to do uh, you know quite a bit on this offense, but this running game will be important to have a balance. And I think that DeAndre Swift, I mean, had a promising start. I think he'll continue to kind of be really solid, and I think he could get close to that you know 10 digit touchdown mark in year two so i expect big things from him just knowing that offense coordinator anthony lynn is going to try to you know run the football off play action and i think that deandre swift will definitely benefit from those touches early on in those situations so i think he'll be effective and i think i could see him be having you know obviously with um Jamal Williams in the background. I mean, they'll have a formidable running game, but I think DeAndre Swift can start to really emerge as one of those top running backs um, in terms of this this you know class here. Running backs, I think they'll have a good shot to uh, you know make it happen. They have a good shot to make it happen. Um, you know, it all comes down to how the Lions really start and play um, as a team whether or not their offense will be able to get points early on i think you'll see running game be an emphasis um, just because of protecting jared goff and seeing if he can you know benefit from a strong running game at number three um i have jk dobbins of the baltimore ravens i do want to mention um cam Akers would be on this list if he you know unfortunately he got hurt um, in the off season with the Achilles, I believe. So Cam Akers for so the Los Angeles Rams would have been on my list, but uh, unfortunately he's going to miss the season. So the number three I went with uh, J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins of the Baltimore Ravens. Now the Ravens have had you know the top rushing attack for the past two seasons, right? Because of Lamar Jackson, obviously, also being able to light it up on the ground. I think for J.K. Dobbins, although, you know, I think he'll have a big twenty one NFL season. I think he can. Um, and the reason for that is that the way that Greg Roman, offensive coordinator, uses him, I mean, he's going to be able to be in every situation, you know, short yard situation, catching passes out of the backfield. I think he had about 805 yards rushing last year. I think he caught about 120. Uh, I think he... He had about 120 yards receiving uh, last year. I think he's going to be able to even put up more touchdowns than just nine touchdowns this year. You know, with the more weapons the Ravens have now on offense, Lamar Jackson um, is going to have to, obviously, you know, be good in the pocket, try to pass the ball more. I think you'll see the Ravens try to pass the ball more this year. They may not completely go away from running the football, but... I think that JK Dobbins is gonna get a lot of those touches you know probably see Lamar Jackson be able to hand off a lot more play fake a lot more and Dobbins is really solid uh, I think he came on big time last year um, I think from Tennessee and you know he had a pretty good season last year so I could see him doing the same thing you know they want to kind of preserve Lamar Jackson keep him like upright they're gonna to have to run the football um a lot more i mean jackson obviously is going to be probably a little bit smarter of how he you know tries to get rid of the ball and not take those unnecessary hits and i think that you'll see the Ravens try to run the football go to play action you know have lamar jackson try to make passes off that um so i think in those situations with the running game their offensive line is uh, pretty much still intact uh, so i could see them being able to run the ball a lot i think jk dobbins will benefit from that At number two, I have A.J. Dillon of the Green Bay Packers. Now, even though Aaron Jones, you know, re-signed and he's going to be the lead back uh, for the Packers this year, you know, the best running back after Aaron Jones is A.J. Dillon. You know, A.J. Dillon obviously was competing for snaps with, you know, Jamal Williams last year, you know, when he was on the Packers. Now it's going to come down to just, you know, Jones and Dylan being that, you know, lean at running game. And I could see their running game still being a factor this year. I mean, Jones obviously put up some impressive numbers. We know that. Um, so I think A.J. Dylan is going to be able to produce a lot more than he's done so far. You know, he... Had some success last year running the football. I think his production will go up this year. You know, I think he might get in that seven to eight touchdown range. Um, but the Packers are going to be able to utilize him as well a lot. I think you'll see him, you know, throughout the season get more and more touches. And I think he'll be effective in those situations. Um, he definitely can, uh, you know, Pass protect well i think obviously with another year with playing with Aaron Rodgers you'll think you'll see AJ Dillon have a huge season for the Packers and they're gonna need to run the football obviously keep their offense going um just knowing what they have they can go uh, you know a variety of ways with their offense but you know Matt LaFleur tried to feature that running game a lot last season and I think you could see it happening again this year early on so I think AJ Dillon along with Aaron Jones I think they're both gonna get a lot of touches and AJ Dillon gonna do really well I think in that Green Bay Packers offense where they were they were able to set the edge last year on the football was pretty good although you know it wasn't as good when it needed to be in the postseason but I think Dillon through the mid-quarter of the season I think he'll be able to start picking it up and really be able to put some nice numbers for the Packers this year at number one I have um no no was a tough one to make you know it was a number it was a, definitely a tough one to make because I thought about uh, Jonathan Taylor of the Colts and I thought about um, you know Clyde Edwards her the Kansas City Chiefs, and you know, Taylor obviously had a big year last year for the Colts, you know, with 11 touchdowns and really doing a good job, but the Colts, the way they have, they, you know, resigning Marlon back and, and having another running back there, you know, I want to wait and see on Taylor. I'm not ready to, you know, say that he's going to be able to continuously have like 11 touchdowns plus every season so I'm gonna take Clyde Edwards Hilaire as my top back a second year back uh, to have a big 20 NFL season Clyde Edwards Hilaire definitely I was off to a strong start last year for the Kansas City Chiefs um, he played really well in a lot of games scoring some touchdowns you know he behind a newly offensive line the Kansas City Chiefs have. I think you're gonna see him get a lot more touches, and the reason why is with the Indianapolis Colts, right? Carson Wentz may or may not start the season, and Taylor is only gonna be able to do so much because they're gonna stack the box. If there's no Carson, you know, obviously, if you have a quarterback that's not as experienced, and they're starting under center. You know, you run the football probably a lot, but they'll probably stack the block. I think Taylor's going to have a tougher time being able to get to that same production he had last year. For Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, even though Patrick Mahomes and, you know, he has all the weapons with, you know, Demarcus Robinson, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, on and on and on, I think that the Chiefs, their new offensive line, they're going to try to run the football and be much better in pass protection. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think in that respect, I think the way that he started off last year, he was doing really, really well. Then Le'Veon Bell came into the mix, right? And they had another running back there. So there was a lot of competition behind Kyle Edwards Hilaire. This year, that won't be the case. I think he'll have a really good opportunity to run the football behind new offensive line. Um, I think, as I mentioned before, it can't be all of Mahomes. As good as Mahomes is, as talented as Mahomes is, you know, just considering how, you know, he. Got pressured a lot last year and you know it was kind of all on him I mean he can do that no doubt any, anytime but the Chiefs are gonna have to be smart with the way that they kind of manage him and use him um, and I think that the running game is gonna have to be much more a factor than it was last season you know if they had a stronger running game last year maybe they would have been able to be better be more competitive at Super Bowl but they weren't so it comes down to them Having a strong running game, I think Clyde edwards hilaire is gonna get a lot of touches for the Chiefs this year. I think he'll have a huge season. Um, I think just in the way he'll be utilized, um, I could see him being really good um, for the Chiefs. Even though they have all that talent, and you'll probably see, you know, you'll probably still see Mahomes have big numbers. But you know, with Andy Reid and Eric Mahinmi, that offensive line, that running game. Those are going to be two things to watch all year long, and I think that Clyde edwards will be able to uh, get it done and play much, play much better and put up big numbers, especially in the second half of the NFL season. So I could see that happening for Clyde edwards So in this next segment, I want to talk about Carly Lloyd, um, who is one of the greatest women soccer players um, in history, and she will be retiring at the conclusion of the National Women's Soccer League season, and as well as after competing with Team USA in some um, exhibition, you know, friendly games. Uh, Later on in the coming months Carly Lloyd um, You know True professional um, On and off the soccer field I mean Really being able to Work her way up Staying true to herself Throughout her journey uh, Kind of embracing her coaches Her teammates The fans And really putting on a show uh, When it mattered the most You know she's playing the most World. The most World Cup matches and Olympic matches for Team USA um, in history, winning two World Cups, two Olympic gold medals. Um, you know, she, you know, kept adapting to the different things in the sport. You know, everything that the sport threw at her, she was able to really come through with flying colors. You know, kind of battling through that adversity of being doubted and. Uh, Not, you know, saying they're not talented enough, not good enough. You know, all those things are always said about a lot of athletes in any sport. Uh, But Carly Carly Lloyd, took that in stride. Um, She really just enjoyed being out there and competing, uh, playing a lot of international matches, uh, with setting impressive records along the way. And I think one of her most memorable highlights was back in 2015 the world cup against japan in which she had a hat trick i think she's had about eight uh hat tricks in her career and so you know she's always talked about just being able to embrace the sport not letting anyone change you kind of staying true to yourself and being really good and so carly lloyd uh, leaving behind a really impressive legacy a lot of players obviously enjoyed playing with her a lot Will continue to do so. Uh, she is from New Jersey, from Delran, New Jersey. You know Rutgers. Uh, you know graduated from Rutgers University. Really came a long way which she had an early, um, you know, she had an early uh, passion towards soccer, and she competed her way up, um, being able to kind of go through those competitions and, and events, um, and. You know, when it's all said and done like her career is right up there on you know, one of the best um, in the game you know and the biggest thing is that she you know even throughout all like the changes to uh, the roster and the games and stuff like that she you know has she has special bond with a lot of players on that team I think you know about 13 14 years um, you know playing for I think six different teams Playing for six different clubs throughout her career, um, and she kept pushing herself. You know, she pushed herself a lot. Um, you know, being able to com- kind of compete in a lot of matches, and you know, obviously being a leader as well. You know, being a voice for a lot of the changes um, that you know, team, you know, USA and women's soccer really wanted to embrace and talk about. She, you know, brought. Uh, you know a lot of great attention to the sport uh, she definitely has done a lot in terms of promoting the game itself kind of talking about her experiences with other players and you know she, never, you know, she was never afraid to speak her, you know, speak out and talk about things you know in the way she could and so she will be uh, definitely missed and just knowing that you know, she was one of the best international players team USA has ever seen I mean now goals that she scored um, from games to games you know she really set up a you know huge standard for those teams and will continue to to do so Um, I think you know she doesn't want to be involved with the sport Um, you know just want to be involved she just want she wants to be involved with the sport I think more um, you know towards you know the end of it as well so you know we've seen a lot of soccer players obviously throughout the game uh, you know finish off their careers maybe start working with the team at, at some capacity so I could well see that happening too with Carly Lloyd um, you know but she's had an outstanding career and deserves to be applauded and appreciated um, Big time um, as a lot more younger players will be looking to kind of follow her first steps and even try to, like, you know, kind of get, you know, advice from her and see how things work out. That'll be very important to see, you know, how some of the younger generation of players that come into the sport will kind of, you know, set set their own kind of unique ways. But definitely looking up to Carly Lloyd will be really, really important, I think, for a lot of these younger players because. They can learn a lot from what she did, um, kind of pursuing, pursuing her dreams and you know, kind of taking on the challenges. Because there were a lot of times I think throughout her career where she mentioned where you know some coaches put her there, you know, her situations where you know they probably they probably didn't think she was gonna do that great in, but she did anyways. So um, I think you know, with her mindset about just kind of staying true to your own personality, your own self. Letting the action speak for itself, let your play on the field speak for itself. I think that she did that in a big big time way on um, the game of soccer. So in this next segment I want to talk about a um, really uh, nice and touching story. Um, that took place in boxing this past weekend, and that is of Nico Aliwash, um, who is Muhammad Ali's grandson, debuting with top rank uh, this past weekend, and uh, in his debut, um, winning with a knockout over Jordan Weeks in a middleweight bout. Uh, very impressive. What a story, as Nico Aliwash um you know was obviously looking to you know kickstart his boxing career you know after the time that he spent with muhammad ali um i think back a couple of years ago i think three four five years ago you know really having a special bond with muhammad ali and you know obviously from a very early age nicole ali Walsh was obviously analyzing and watching um, you know Muhammad Ali, um, and you know what Muhammad Ali obviously brought to the sport, and how people kind of really gravita- gravitated towards Muhammad Ali. It was just really impressive in the way that, N- that Nico uh, embraced the moment and showed great style, great aggressiveness, and pursuit and winning this winning this bout. I think he wore, um, I think his boxing shorts were given to him by Muhammad Ali at one point early on in his career. You know, so it was really special to see him go out there and have an impressive performance. I think it was in Oklahoma uh, where he, you know, where the where the fight was held and, you know, he, up to that moment, was just preparing and training himself to be ready for this moment where he could start competing. Um, um, and he chose to go with top rank, obviously, with Bob Arum, who was one of the best promoters, and, In terms of fight brand, you know, the boxing brand and everything, so you know, it was really nice to see that kind of take place, and you know, they made that happen, you know, you know, in a big time way. So Nico, you know, grew up in Las Vegas, spent a lot of time, um, kind of uh, working his way to see what he could do uh, in terms of the sport. Uh, I think at an early age, Nico Ali. you know, consider quitting and not going full-time into boxing because you know he felt like it was too hard, it's too tough. But his interactions with Muhammad Ali during the time of Muhammad Ali obviously was his, you know, his condition was wasn't getting as improved. You know, he spent a lot of time with Muhammad Ali, and you know he really pushed Nico to stay with boxing and, and pursue it um, and go for it. And so you know he also trained under some great coaches along the way you know, in terms of just being able to get himself, you know, acclimated to the sport, training harder, you know. So, I think he took it more seriously at the age of 14, 15, where he really started training for everything in a big time way. And he stayed with it, you know. He was able to do more and more as he got, um, you know, coached by some of the best in the game you know and like i said with bob arum and the kind of top rank with some great fighters there uh nico was able to uh, you know find his way where he could be on the main card uh to fight uh, for top rank and it was just very impressive to see him um win and kind of dedicate that to his family obviously they pushed him a lot gave him a lot of support as you know he knew it wasn't going to be easy obviously uh, stepping into the boxing ring with all the like, you know, all the things behind him with legacy of Muhammad Ali, but uh, he came out big time, um, you know, that first round and really put on an impressive performance all the way around, and I can't wait to see what you know Nico does um, in his boxing career. You know, 21 years of age, a long way to go in his career, just getting started, but it was a very promising start to all of it. Just seeing him being able to have um have that moment to be able to step in the ring and you know all the things that he was kind of thinking about in terms of how his boxing debut went uh it was pretty remarkable and i hope we'll see more of uh, nicole ali wash um as he competes in more bouts in, in the years to come So I want to wrap up today's episode by talking about the NBA a little bit and the report and the announcement coming out of the NBA uh, 2021 season starting up in October and the games that will be this year on Christmas Day. Can't wait to see how things will unfold. It's going to be a huge uh, season. Obviously, you know, new faces and new teams. You're going to see a lot. of the best talent um, obviously in the Western Conference no doubt but also the Eastern Conference with Milwaukee obviously the defending champions Brooklyn being healthy and loaded to go uh, Miami obviously you know Chicago the Knicks it's gonna be really fun to see how everything kind of goes down as when the season starts but look at the games that were announced uh, the Bucks will open up their season um, against the Brooklyn Nets and that obviously was a thrilling series we saw in this past year's postseason where we went to a game 7 so you know opening night in Milwaukee with the Nets coming to town it's going to be a big time match we've seen Kevin Durant Giannis go at it once again uh, look at the, some of the NBA Christmas games that will be taking place can't wait for Hawks and Knicks You know, after what Trey Young was what did in this past postseason, and how that first round series went? The Knicks will definitely be looking to uh, make a statement. Uh, with obviously Camby Walker and R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle. It's going to be fun to see how that game plays out. You have the Celtics and the Bucks on Christmas Day as well. You know, seeing if Boston is going to be able to really challenge Milwaukee in terms of what they have. Uh, you know, see how Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum will be able to continue to progress under their new head coach, you know, Emi Yudoka, and that will be a very interesting game as well. Um, you have the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. By then, hopefully, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jay Ron Green will all be together on the starting lineup. You know, you have the Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul, Devin, you know, Devin Booker. You know, some promising head-to-head matchups there at the shooting guard position. And there's no bigger game than the game that was announced of the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers on Christmas Day. That's going to be one hell of a matchup. Can't wait for that. All the talent that's going to be on display with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, you got LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, you know, Westbrook, KD. I mean, there's just so many players that you can name. It's going to be an exciting matchup. Both teams hopefully will be healthy by that point. Just want to see these two teams go at it. This is the match that they want to see in the NBA Finals. Uh, we want to see it. Last year we didn't get it. The preview of it potentially, and on Christmas Day. So just seeing how Kevin Durant will be this year. You know, KD and LeBron. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot on the line to prove. Uh, But more importantly, just the head-to-head matchups will be great with Kyrie and Westbrook going at it, with Harden, you know, Carmel and Anthony. There's a lot to expect from those two teams, and you just want to see now which team is able to kind of get off to a good start, kind of build through early games. So, you know, that'll be fun to watch out for. Um, You just want to see if Steve Nash will be able to this roster a little bit more obviously they've addressed some needs um, but it's all on James Harden Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and a lot of people feel like the Nets talent they should be able to really dominate the Lakers just because of what they have through the best players obviously but with LeBron coming back after you know the season he had with the injuries they dealt last year Anthony Davis is going to definitely be looking to bounce back and have a big season Carmelo Anthony still has it as well. So wherever you look, there's gonna be a lot of scoring on display on Christmas Day. Um, but it's gonna be fun to see how all these teams progress, which players really step up. You know, which ones will kind of save their best for the, you know, for the end. Like those are all the things you kind of expect to see. But having the NBA games come out and be released, like you know what to, what to expect. I mean, fans are already excited about some of the things they've seen in the summer league. In terms of you know some of the small market teams, but obviously a lot of fans around the basketball world will be looking to see when we actually get these games going again. Uh, obviously, back to a regular game, you know, back to a regular 82 2 game schedule. So you know, obviously the play tournament will be back as well. Um, so it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun to see, um, you know, how these new additions to these teams will, you know, bring about change in this season, but. It will be a grind and the most important thing you want to see from the Brooklyn Nets and Los Angeles Lakers their stars being healthy, being available and really coming up in crunch time and performing. So hopefully that, that Christmas Day matchup will definitely give us a really solid game from start to finish um, and that will definitely be watched big time um, on Christmas Day.